0: Support for WFIU News comes from Bunger and Robertson, Attorneys at Law, utilizing 75 years of experience, knowledge, and resources to help individuals and families recover in personal injury matters. Information at lawbr.com. Production support for Noon Edition comes from Smithville, fiber internet, streaming TV, home security, and automation in southern Indiana. More information at smithville.com. And from Bloomington Health Foundation, providing financial support to the community for 55 years, promoting healthier lives and the advancement of future health care in our region, working together for a healthier tomorrow. More at bloomhf.org. And from Estate and Downsizing Specialists, LLC, Offering complete turnkey service for estate and downsizing clients, from initial consultation through home cleanout to final real estate and personal property sales. More at edsindiana.com.
1: Welcome to Noon Edition on WFIU. I'm your host, Bob Salzberg, along with co host Lori McRobbie. Today we're talking with guests about the Crossroads Pitch Competition and the entrepreneurship scene here in Bloomington. We're talking about startups and innovation. You can join us on the program by calling us at uh, 812-855-0811 in Bloomington or toll-free at 877-285-9348. You can also send your questions to news at indianapublicmedia.org. And you will be talking with uh, Lori and I and Pat East, the Executive Director of The Mill and Managing Partner of the Flywheel Fund, and Katie Sensabaugh, who's the Director of the Chambers Foundation and Internal Operations for the Greater Bloomington Chamber of Commerce. Thank you both for being here with us today. Um, Pat, I think you've been on before, so... Hopefully, if not, it's been a big oversight on our part. So thanks for being well, here.
2: Well, Bob, uh, thanks for having me here, and thanks for having me back. I appreciate it.
1: All right, and Katie, good to have you here today. Okay, I'm going to start with a. I'm going to start with a quote that I read from. Uh, it was on Growth Mentor, uh, the Growth Mentor blog, and it's about pitch competitions. And I just want to get your reaction to them because I thought this was kind of interesting. It says pitching competitions are to the startup entrepreneurs what skydiving is to most people—a bucket list item that's both exciting and
2: terrifying. Pat, does that ring true? That that 100% rings true. <laughs> so pitch competitions. Um, Seem really daunting, um, but if you're in the startup space, it is a normal part of life, and it's part of the company building process. Uh, when you're uh, when you are a startup, uh, normally you're probably going to be raising funds from investors, and so you create a pitch deck to um, uh, to get presentations to investors. and And there's competitions like Crossroads, which is uh, one that the Mill runs, but there's pitch competitions all over Indiana. Where you pitch your company to uh, judges um, and folks in venture capital and startups and economic development and uh, university and um, and government, and you pitch your uh, you, you pitch your business um, to these judges, and whoever has the best pitch wins. Uh, sometimes you win. Uh, just a, a a cash prize. Sometimes you win an investment, sometimes you just get advice, but it is, it's a process that almost every startup goes through to, to really start to um, build their business, to make the contacts they need, to get the advice they need. And it really is a jumping off point for a lot of folks who decide, hey, this is going to be something I try versus this is going to be something that I dedicate the next five to 10 years of my life to. Katie, you've been a judge of these, and I should also say, Laurie McRobbie is a judge
1: this year and has been a judge before. So when when it's coming up to, you know, getting ready for these pitch competitions, I mean, as a judge, what's your role? And um, and just give us a sense of what it's like to be a judge.
3: Yes, um, sure, thank you for having me on uh-huh. today. Um, I've been a judge twice, and really um, that quote that you read rings true. You. You see that look of fear in the eyes, a little bit of the competitors, uh, but then they settle in, and it is—it's really uh, thrilling, and you know, kind of wakes your brain up to see all of these neat ideas of what, what is coming to the market, what you know, what might be that newest app that you can find in the app store. Um, but as a judge. Um, we receive kind of a dossier of you know, who we'll be looking at. We're assigned four groups that we'll be judging. And then we um, have them go through the pitch and just they run through all of what their um, business could be, what it is now. And then um, the best part, I think, is the opportunity to ask questions and really kind of um, find out where they really see that their business could go.
1: Mm-hmm. Let me uh, dig a little deeper on that. So you said you you mm-hmm. would listen to four groups. So how many people are actually, or how many different organizations or businesses come to a pitch competition, and how does that break down among the judges?
3: Um, Pat, you may be better at um, answering <laughs> this. I know yeah, there's yeah, there's several groups of. I was I was always a semi-finalist judge. So mm-hmm. I want okay. to say there's four or five different groups of judges.
2: Yeah, we, we attract anywhere from, um, you know, 25 to mm-hmm. 50, sometimes mm-hmm. as many as 75 applicants, um, startups, um, every time we do a pitch competition. And there's about an equal number of judges as well. So uh, folks like Katie from the, uh, the chamber, uh, uh, folks like Lori, who have um, a business background, um, really wide networks, and can provide, provide different points of view. But we also have folks in the venture capital and startup industries, folks from other co-working spaces, folks from um, um, entrepreneurial support organizations like the Mill, and um, a, and there's normally um, there's normally a couple of rounds after the initial application um, in the the um, semi-finals round that katie was referencing is generally done via zoom Um, that way it's easier to coordinate schedules among all these really busy folks Um, and it also gives folks um, who are not as startups in particular who are not in bloomington the ability to participate in a way that's kind of low labor intensity they they uh, they don't have to put a lot of effort into um, into travel or overnight plans if they're from south bend or evansville for example so it allows uh, us to be a little bit more inclusive uh, for for folks throughout the state and then from there um, you know that initial that initial kind of semi-final round where um, folks are folks like katie and lawyer are judging uh, folks they have um, a a set of criteria a, a rubric that uh, that they get scored on and um and all of the founders know what the criteria are ahead of time and so there's no surprises and um they do their pitch um their presentation and then judges have an opportunity to ask questions um and really dive into not only like what 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 the business is, but like, what, why did they found it in the first place? What problem are they trying to solve? They really help to validate the idea and make sure that it's a good one and worthy of moving on in the pitch competition. Um, and then from there, um, you know, there's a, a select group of, um, just four to six startups usually, and, uh, an equal number of judges who, uh, who pitch on site at the mill for the finals. And then that's where the, the, the winners who, who ultimately gets, um, gets um, uh, an investment from flywolf fund the mills uh, the Mills startup fund um, and uh, and so this year that that startup uh, the, the finals pitch competition is going to be held in the event hall on on march 22nd we uh, really want as many people to be there as possible so invite anybody who is listening today to to join us at the mill if you've never attended a pitch competition um, it's really fun to see all these folks innovating to see uh to see what problems they're trying to solve in the world but also to see kind of the passion they have uh for trying to uh trying to improve their corner of the world just a little bit laura you're so you're going to be a judge uh you have been a judge
1: before you're going to be a judge again starting today right
4: yeah I, well i think uh, <laughs> it's on my calendar i think it's <laughs> next week or the week, week after okay. and i'm i'm doing semi-final uh the semi-final round so <laughs> uh,
1: yeah i just want to ask you to to talk about you know your experience being a judge yeah. wh- why you why you do it and wh- what you like about it
4: well I think you know I think as people may or may or may not my career background is in tech and um, and uh, you know I've obviously done a lot of work you know between the university and the city and I think that's why I was invited originally and I and I said yes originally partly because I' I actually had encountered mostly some young women who had been uh, participating in pitch competitions and had had either been funded or not been funded. I mean, it kind of got that this was an important aspect of um, the business scene as it was in the in the world we were coming into. So I was interested to see how it worked, and that's what got me involved in the first place. And I I I, I do want to say that one of the things I didn't expect um, and was very happy to see is just the enormous variety of ideas that people bring to the table. And they are not all uh, tech, what I, what I think any of us would say were t- are techy things. They're not always apps. They're not always systems. Um, or if they are, they're systems that are supporting something very non-tech. Um, there was a, uh, actually a, a young woman who's now got a very successful business that I'm not going to remember the name of, of course, but it, she's, it's a platform to support musicians and so it, it, you know both in terms of being able to publish their um their uh, it I, I oh yeah i think it's called um well there's one called pocket there's there's actually another one i think that uh is also helping musicians with intellectual with publishing and with uh intellectual property and so forth uh, it, anyway i'm not describing it well but you get the idea it's it the the kind of ideas that are coming to the table are really exciting and it gave me a real insight into how the business world is evolving. So I think anyone out there listening who has ever been approached uh, to be a judge or just to come see, um, you it's it's you're not going into a techie conversation that you might feel like you're you don't have anything to offer, perhaps um, you do. You have your and and you have your perspective on people. I think as Pat said, you look for passion, you look for, commitment. Um, those kinds of aspects on the part of the person doing the pitch are part of what gets them a, a, a high score.
1: I'm going to let you ask some questions here in a sure. minute, but I have one I want to follow up on with. with uh, Pat said said something a couple of different times already. I, I know just enough about sort of innovation and startups to um, talk about it maybe hopefully a little bit intelligently, but what you said, and I, I want Katie to talk about this too because, let me just back up and say, Katie works with entrepreneurship in schools, so she's working with young people a lot. You said, uh, what problem are they trying to solve? And I think, for me, that is such a crucial part of this startup and innovation process, and I, I, just, I want you to expand on that a little bit, and I want Katie to talk about it. When you talk about, you know, what problem are people trying to solve? Just how important is that to the process,
2: Pat? Yeah, the 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 problem that people are trying to solve is kind of a a startup <clears throat> mantra that we repeat over and over and over again. Um, so the the greatest uh, the reason we do that is because the greatest idea in the world, if it is um, if it is clever or neat or smart but it is looking for a um, if it is a problem looking for a solution um, that that's the wrong direction right we, we really need something that um, there's a, a known problem in the market um, and that this startup is is the best one to um, it's the best one to fix it um, and so uh, like, uh, like Lori was mentioning earlier that the, the, uh, the woman who has a, a kind of a, a, music company, the platform, her name is Charlie Edmonds. Um, and her, her company is called pocket and she is actually a, um, uh, doctoral student, a PhD student at Jacob's school. Right. So does it seem like she would be into entrepreneurship at all? Uh, but she's created this company because, um, as a black woman founder in tennessee she um she used to be a middle school teacher and um she you know as she's teaching her kids all of this music she realized that the realizes that there's not a good way to find um uh, to find uh, appropriate music that middle school students can learn um that that is low cost um that that's appropriate for them um there's not curriculum for that right and so um, she wants to create um, this platform so that middle school music teachers can be able to teach their students um, much more effectively um, using different types of music and expose all different types of uh, genres to them and not just kind of have the 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 um, same uh, the same types of classical music that's always taught. Not that that's bad, a bad thing, but certainly a more diverse point of view is going to um, is it, going to benefit folks just to be able to understand and have more empathy for for other folks. And so um, so Charlie um, is really kind of solving her own problem. Uh, and that's what we, we're really talking about when we say that we want people um, uh, we want people to solve problems. We we want the startup to solve a problem, and and we're always asking, what problem are you trying to solve? Sometimes, we we fall in love with the um, the idea of my startup, and we don't fall in love enough with the problem that that we're trying to solve. And the problem is the only thing that matters because that's the only thing that matters to the customers who will eventually pay you.
4: Yeah. I can just add one more example. This wasn't something that came through the mill. It was a, uh, I think it was a pitch competition in in Fishers. But uh, that that has to. What reminded me of it was this. You you have to in some way sometimes uh, obviously educate people about what the problem is because we you know how many of us would necessarily know that there's an issue with, you know how easy it is for middle school teachers to teach their. Uh, they're band students, but the the pitch competition that was, there was a pitch competition in Fishers that was won by, at the time, a high school senior, and she was pitching menstrual products to a, to a panel of men, and she won $25,000. She has a very successful company now, some eight years later, and... You know, for someone like that, obviously that's a that's a problem that probably wasn't entirely on the radar screen <laughs> no. of the judges, and so part of it is also helping people understand that the problem is real, and that it's not niche. That and because of course that means it, it, you know if there's too small a market; it's not going to go anywhere.
1: Katie, I wanted to, to ask a, a question sort of related to that, I guess. Um, when you're working with students uh, in the schools and trying to talk and talking with them about entrepreneurship, I mean, where where do you start, and what are some of the the key concepts that you try to hit with them?
3: Yes, mm-hmm. right. Um, we always start with the problem. Also, um, that is the key component of any any business, any entrepreneur level type um, of program in the schools too. Uh, so what the the chamber does um, our foundation is concerned with education um, and we have our our success school is kind of the the program that fits that so what the chamber will do is match um, people in the business world with classrooms and teachers who are doing these sorts of programs in their classes Um, so when i go in or bring a volunteer with me as well we will help the students kind of just figure out that problem and make it very specific to them. Um, Every seventh grader takes a class that's called Mix Inc. EDU, um, and they look for business people, volunteers, to come in and um, mentor these students. Um, There's also high school programs called the incubator class, Um, also looking for guest speakers and coaches to help the students. Um, But they do, they start with the problem. um, And it might be that they can't get to their next class soon enough because the passing period's only three minutes. And they're going to find a solution to that. Or um, I think the one year students diagrammed their hallways to make it a more efficient flow. And um, that was their solution. So we start with the problem. and then they start coming up with their solutions and go through five or six different iterations and get feedback from their teachers, from the um, business volunteer coaches that are coming in, um, and try to go through every step of how you bring a product to market.
1: I'd like for both of you to talk about this. Uh, you know, finding the problem um, again. I, I know, and just. The, enough about this. And I've talked with, you know, Pat, your colleague, Andy Lehman, who works at the mill, um, and I worked together and we, we were in on a, a project. And I think what what we learned, what I learned, I, I won't speak for Andy, what I learned early on is that, you know, you can have a bunch of people sitting in a room saying, oh, this looks like a problem. But if, if you're not going out and talking to people to find out if it's really a problem, you may be going down the wrong path. So I, I guess the question is how important are or how important is getting out into the field and testing this idea that you have or talking with people to help you determine what's really a
2: problem and what isn't. Yeah. yeah, that's a fantastic question because as um, as entrepreneurs, we sometimes um, are a little siloed, we become isolated, and we think that this insight that we have into the market is 100% the right thing. And we sometimes forget that customers are the ones that pay the bills. And so if we don't go out to talk to customers first and determine whether or not we can actually validate whether this is a problem that multiple people are having or enough people are having that um that we can build a sustainable company around it then it doesn't matter whether or not you think that idea is really good um you know hopefully you have um you know if you are working for iu or cook or you've got a idea on your own hopefully you've kind of sat with that problem for a little bit you you've You've experienced this for um, multiple years, um, and you really kind of understand all the ins and outs of this particular industry. And of course, you're having uh, usually um, usually companies start because um, the the founder, the CEO, has the problem themselves and wants to wants to solve it. And then they end up kind of creating a company around it. And so hopefully hopefully that's resonating with some of your. Um, some of the listeners out there but ultimately if you don't go out in the market and validate that idea before you actually start building a company around it you may be throwing a lot of good money after bad it may seem like a good idea but maybe it's got to be tweaked in a in a slightly different way so that it is um, more available and accessible to the masses Uh, maybe you have um you are solving the right problem today but the market is changing so fast that it's really not the right problem that you need to solve a year from now and your customers can kind of give you those insights into that and so um absolutely um um you know coming up with the right idea having that eureka moment is um it it, it is uh less important actually than going out and talking to customers and making sure that it is something that um, people actually want to buy and uh, they're willing to open up their wallets for.
4: Yeah. So, I, Pat, I want to actually both of you can, can speak to this, uh, just maybe taking a step back. We've been talking, obviously, a lot about the pitch competition, but in a sense that's a particular moment in what is a long journey. Um, and, Pat, you're speaking to perhaps some things that need to go on before – Someone actually goes into a pitch competition. You know, they p- hopefully have spent some time, as you say, sitting with the problem, uh, f- field testing it in some way. You know, asking their families, and you know, would you would you pay for this and that? What how, whatever it, it takes, so that they know when they come into the pitch competition that they actually can articulate that problem and, and their solution for. it. But then there's of course a lot of other things that happen after that too. So you know, all of that is speaking to the whole entrepreneurship scene. Um, uh, in general, but of course the one that's developing here in Bloomington and and the mill has been central to that. Obviously the chamber has as well. Going back a long time and I wonder if you can each speak to kind of the development of what's going on in Bloomington right now um, because it's 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 very exciting what's happening. It's I mean just in the time I've been here, I've seen it. I've seen it evolve. Um, Pat, maybe you can start that. Uh, you know where 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 you see see where did it start, for your from your perspective, and where do you see it going?
2: Yeah, yeah. That's a um, that's a really broad uh, broad uh, broad question, um, and I think um, having having both the perspectives to to kind of tackle broad question like that of the mill who focuses on tech and startups and then the chamber who focuses more on small business, um, the, they're critical to to an economy. Um, one is it better than the other? Uh, one is it more impactful than the other? They're just two different two different um, ingredients to kind of what what drives and, and grows cities. And so um, I love that we have kind of this this dichotomy of opinions on here. Um, you know, from the from the mill's perspective, you know, when I started um, my business, Hennepin, my first business, Handprint Marketing, um, in 2004, um, so quite literally two decades ago, um, the um, uh, Bloomington had what I would call an emerging, uh, emerging startup ecosystem, um, and I think emerging sometimes is a nice way to describe hey, there's nothing there yet, but we hope there's going to be something in the future, <laughs> and um, and so you know we my wife and i uh, co-founded the business we really kind of toiled away for a long long time before we um you know figured out the right people to talk to and pulled in the right uh, employees and and found the right clients Um, and candidly a lot of those folks were in indianapolis Um, and at the time you know when we started the business we didn't have kids and so making it up to the north side of indianapolis for a 6 a.m breakfast meeting I, I could do that. It was difficult to do, right? Because you gotta you gotta wake up at 4 a.m. to make the 6 a.m. meeting, but that's not possible for for everybody. Um, and so, one of the things that um, uh, that the mill does is we just make it easier for people to start their businesses. Um, and you know, part of the reason why I work here, really the driving reason why I work here, is because when when we um, when we Um, started Hennepin and we were growing it and building it. I mean, we grew it to 75 employees. We had clients all over the world. We had the largest trade show in our industry. We were the ones that produced that. Uh, we had about 10 million in sales. I mean, it was a, it was a objective success. People were changing and growing their careers. I, I loved running that company, but wow, did I take a lot more bruising and scrape knees than what I needed to. And so we want to make that process of growing and building your company and accelerating it. We want to make that as easy as possible for other folks so that when they do run into obstacles, life doesn't get in the way um and and force them to stop and and maybe take a quote-unquote regular job and i think um you know the chamber does does a little bit of that too with all of their connections and networking and they offer a ton of training and programs um and, and i think having having these two organizations help kind of support the business ecosystem in general, but the mill with startups and, and, uh, and the chamber with small businesses, I think it's absolutely critical for um, for cities like Bloomington who, uh, who are doing well and, and want to do more.
3: Yeah. And I completely agree with Pat Um, where the mill is, amazing at startups and building those businesses the chamber kind of the mill will pass the baton and um, the chamber excels at sustaining businesses Um, our motto has always been better business better community and really when we when we connect these businesses together um you know revenues go up networking goes up marketing goes up everyone you just start to see a thriving community where people are working together um, and in a very collaborative supporting kind of way and it it really is exciting to see that happening in bloomington um the chamber i mean we're excited about the convention center project that is underway and we are going to you know see a new convention center in a couple of years here um and And each time we, that I judge one of these pitch competitions, you just, you get excited about what is coming and how, um, how we can all be a part of it. Um, Like Pat was saying, the chamber really excels at connections for these businesses as they are growing. Um, Like we love working with the ISBDC, the Indiana Small Business Development Center, um, SCORE. and i don't know the acronym on that but um retired business professionals who want to mentor young businesses they do a fantastic job um and any business you know can access a lot of our business resources on our webpage too as well as chamberbloomington.org but it just it helps build this ecosystem like um like you were saying Lori, about how we we build this thriving community
1: I'm going to give our contact information again if you have any questions or comments for our, our guests today. Uh, we're talking about the Crossroads Pitch Competition and entrepreneurship in general and the, the startup culture here in Bloomington and in Indiana. You can call us at 812-855-0811. In bloomington are toll free at 877-285-9348 you can also send your questions to news at org. some questions have come in through our producer nathan uh here's one uh, one question and this i guess would go to uh Lori and katie it says uh, do you have current market problems that you would like to to be solved as Judges, are you, are you going into the competition with any ideas that you hope you see? Or do you just have an open mind? Katie, do you want to
3: sure. take that one first? Um, I have an open, I try to have an open mind. I yeah. There are, like I think Lori said this earlier in, in our discussion, there are so many new ideas that people are bringing to us as judges to hear about. I don't have any preconceived um, ideas of what I might, might hear um but man i as we've been talking i've been thinking about some of the different pitches that i've judged um i mean there was one on a wearable narcan device which i think could be you know it could be revolutionary for um substance treatment substance abuse disorder treatment um there was there was one on rentable adventure gear um like kayaks, how you could go to a new city that you want to kayak in, and download, you know, download this app, and then be able to rent rent your equipment that you need, so you don't have to store it or haul it. Um, so it's just a huge gamut of different ideas that all solve a different problem. Um, what yeah, do you think, Lori? Do you? Yeah, yeah I sa-
4: same thing. I don't. I I don't go in with any preconceived notions. Um, part, you know, I think like you it's so much fun to see the range and you're going to be sort of surprised by uh again some problem you didn't know existed and somebody's got an idea for how to solve it and then i i do i, I it has happened and this happened i think to me last year where one of the person one of the people coming in to do a pitch was uh pitching uh, uh some products that were going to help with uh, help breastfeeding mothers um and having been one quite a long time ago I I found myself sort of emotionally reacting <laughs> to that I think and I wound up, you know, arguing that this one should be funded and it actually didn't probably have the business plan in place that it needed and so forth. So I was a little as I got through that particular round I had a little note to self that um you do have to stay a bit uh you have to maintain your objectivity because you really are looking for Uh, ideas that are going to get out into the market because that's ultimately what everybody wants. And there are really good ideas or or real problems where the solution really isn't quite there yet. And as a judge, you have to be careful that you don't get too swept up uh, because it it resonates with you personally.
1: I don't think I would have done very well. I had this great idea I was going to save the newspaper industry, Edible Newsprint. So after people read their paper, <laughs> there would be a, an aftermarket, you know, it might be pet food. I don't know. But, you know, I never, I didn't have a business plan or anything. Never. <laughs> so here we are.
4: Well, I don't know, Bob. <laughs> I mean, there's no age limit on, you know, you, you know well, those of us who, have, who don't consider ourselves just, you know, out of school. Um, who knows? Maybe Well,
1: here's another question that um, Nathan sent us. How, how important is the idea of simple is sometimes better? When it comes to entrepreneurs' ideas and products, so that their product is usable for consumers.
2: Pat, yeah, I think, yeah, yeah, I think the 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 general concept of simple is better um, makes sense. Sometimes, um, sometimes the ideas themselves can't be simple. I was talking to somebody this morning that they have a AI startup that is focused on making robots uh they use biologics which i'm not even sure what is but i i heard him say the term so i'm going to repeat it he uses biologics to make um ai uh, and he uses biologics and ai to make robots not move like robots that it helps them make move more like humans um and so you know in that example it's kind of hard to to present the idea is simple, um, because you're dealing with something that's naturally uh, fairly complicated. Uh, But in terms of the marketing or the pitch, absolutely. Um, It needs to be um, simple, simple is better. Clear is better than clever, Um, right? If if your target audience doesn't understand what you're offering, um, then it doesn't matter whether or not your offering is good. in the case of Crossroads, you, your target audience is the, uh, the audience, or, or excuse me, the, um, uh, the judges, right? They're your target audience. You need to present the idea in a way to them that is understandable. Sometimes that means simple, but sometimes that just means clear. Um, if we're talking about it to your, your customers, sometimes you might have to present the idea slightly differently. Uh, slightly differently because they understand more intimately and intricately what what problem it is you're solving. Um, so the pitch for this biologics AI robot company might be a little bit different for a crossroads than it might be to the actual people that that end up um, that end up purchasing um, the solution for their own robots. Katie, here's a question for you. It says, as a
1: member of the chamber. Um, do you have and you know you said you have an open mind but it says as a member of the chamber do you have areas where you think Bloomington can or should grow
3: oh that's a great question Um, I think Bloomington is great with the with our biomedical industries I think we can really um, lean into that even more and and really make Bloomington a hub for that sort of activity. Um, I love what we're seeing with the the mill and the trades district and where that can go and how we can really become this known location for entrepreneurship, for remote workers. Um, I, maybe Pat can talk about that program a little bit um, for people to to live here and help make, you know, Be a part of the community um i I don't really have any like segment of you know the business world that i lean toward more or less um but yeah okay there's always room to grow Mm -hmm. definitely (laughs)
1: well i want to give pat an opportunity because we we have been talking on this show as if everybody all of our listeners understand what the mill is and where the (laughs) mill is and yeah. I think that that's a big assumption to make. So, could you sort of give us your elevator speech for what
2: the mill is and what the yeah. trades district is, yeah. and
1: and what y- your vision? Yeah, is. your pitch. Yeah, <laughs> yep,
2: yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that, uh, yeah, yeah. That's a good question. Just to level set us. So, the mill is an entrepreneurship center, um, and what that means for uh, for your listeners is if you want to start a company. If you want to grow a company, this is this is where you need to come to to get the resources, um, to get the connections, to get the advice. We have, um, of course, Crossroads, our pitch competition. We have Flywheel Fund, which is a, a startup investment fund where we uh, invest um, up to one hundred thousand dollars into into some companies. Um, we recruit remote workers, which was uh, kind of what Katie was talking about before. We, we have lots of programs that um that uh, are directly related to how do i build and how do i accelerate growth of a startup but we also have programs like bloomington remote where we're recruiting these remote remote workers we have these programs that kind of help build the infrastructure um in in uh, for uh, for a better startup ecosystem we need more uh, we need more people in bloomington we need um uh, we need more people with kind of startup backgrounds and business backgrounds um, so that we can create um, create more companies, so that we can create more opportunities for folks. Um, you know, growth, um, you know, there's always this tension in Bloomington. We, we love Bloomington the way it is, but yeah, we want things to be better, but yeah, we don't actually change. Um, and, um, it, 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 and I think the, um, you know, with these companies that we're creating at the mill, there's an opportunity to um to to create these companies in a way that's very sustainable um that doesn't create so much change that it that it um uh that it that it makes us shrink from um yeah that it makes us shrink that it just we can create these companies in a way that creates more opportunities for folks um you know when i look at the the actual building that we're in it's the shower brothers furniture factory um um at one point they were the dominant furniture manufacturer in in the united states at one point they manufactured up to sixty six zero percent of the consumer furniture because they took the process of lamination they took the process of veneer Um, they didn't invent either the either of them but they were the first company to put those two together and so that's how they made furniture available to the masses no longer did you have to be uh wealthy in order to buy furniture um, you could buy really nice furniture that wasn't um uh, that was more mass produced but still done in a, a very craftsman way and, uh, and and that's really kind of what we're what we're trying to do here at the mills we're trying to create companies um and create growth and opportunities for people but we're not trying to do it with um with um, manufacturing plants or with smokestacks we're trying to do it in the same way that that uh shower brothers did i mean the the building one is a 19,000 square foot facility they had five buildings so call it a hundred thousand square feet in bloomington but they manufactured 60 percent of the consumer furniture in the united states so the the impact per square foot they had was huge and we're trying to do the same thing here where you can you can come into the mill, and all you have is your laptop and a backpack and an idea and with the internet connection and the resources here you can um you can start your company you can grow your company you can accelerate it and you can make a similar impact on the world with your company that shower brothers had uh on uh, on the world but a hundred years ago yeah it's a, yeah let me let me follow up quickly the trades district so how does the mill fit into the trades district yeah yeah thanks for reminding me about that part of the question i get i get excited (laughs) when i talk about growth for bloomington um yeah the trades district is uh is part of the certified technology park in bloomington so the ctp is a is an area uh it's a 50 or 60 um, um, acre area in downtown bloomington that allows the businesses in there when they pay payroll tax or sales tax. It allows the city of Bloomington to capture those tax dollars, and instead of it going to the state, it goes back to uh, back to the city, so they can reinvest it into um, into in, into that area. So more growth begets more growth, and so. The trades district is 12 acres within within that 50 or 60 acre parcel in downtown Bloomington. So if you're at the mill or you're at Upland uh, Brewing, it's all the uh, it, it's all the green space that you see um, uh, outside. So it's 12 acres that we want to turn into an innovation district. So we want to create jobs and we want to grow wages. We want to have a restaurant or multiple restaurants here. Uh, we're um, talking to somebody about a boutique hotel. We've got The Forge, which is kind of, think of that as Mill 2.0, that's going in across the street. So instead of startups, it's more later stage companies, universities. Uh, hopefully Crane will be there, more late stage companies. And we really just want to kind of create this this area where it attracts um, it attracts people who want to visit Bloomington on the weekends because they know there's going to be stuff to do at the at the trades district. But it's also a place where people go to to really grow their companies. Where it's known for this is where ambition and innovation lives.
4: Great tagline. And you have programs too that have, obviously the IU is um, a big partner in this in various ways and certainly part of the, I know, for the chamber and the city and, you know, we have all these bright... Um, young people graduating from places like the Luddy School, the Kelly School, the Jacobs School, which has an entrepreneurship program and and many other parts of the university and we'd like a lot of those people to stay in Bloomington and have their you know grow their lives here and so part of this is also capturing that intellectual richness that's coming out of the university. Um, but Pat and, and also Katie, can talk, if you can talk a little bit more about partnerships with IU, um, how, the, how that's figuring into all this.
1: And throw are on Ivy Tech, too.
4: And let's because throw an Ivy Tech, Tech, too. Yes, absolutely, because they're they're doing a lot in this space as well. Blooming, Ivy Tech Bloomington is doing a great job here.
3: Katie, do
2: you yeah, want to
3: sure. handle this one? Yeah. Sure. Um, yeah, IU and Ivy Tech are both wonderful partners with the chamber um, from, you know, always being resources for us and for our members uh, to um, attending events and being willing to share their knowledge. Uh, But then also Ivy Tech especially offers training programs for a lot of our member businesses. Um, If they need specialized training for their employees, they can design a program just for them. Adam Gross and Sarah Katie over there are doing amazing things with that. Um, and IU is just always willing to help out. And um, there's such a wealth of knowledge there for our our member businesses to take advantage of. And they're always willing to help connect the knowledge base with the business base and, you know, really work for to find best practices for the problems that, someone may be encountering
1: on in terms of the, uh, the I want to get back quickly to the pitch competition um, have you had you know had, have any competitors ever come back you know with a new idea or do you do you get a, a a new set of a new set of people every year
2: oh well, that's a that's a great question I'm gonna have to take a second <laughs> to think about that um, you know we we started the pitch competition actually a couple years before we started the mill so the mill's five years old so crossroads is seven so we've got i don't know that we've had people uh i, I don't know that we've been around long enough for people to have uh, multiple ideas yet but i'm sure i, I i'm sure it's coming soon right because that's part of that's part of business that not every idea works out and it's part of innovation that every idea shouldn't work out that you should be kind of big enough and bold enough and you're thinking that maybe you're stretching beyond what your current capabilities and resources are and so you need to um, sh- shut down that idea or that company and try something again later so um, you know often dig into off the top of my head i don't think we've had any repeat folks um, but I'll have to dive into uh, uh, kind of our master list of uh, founders and startups who've pitched and and see if there is anybody who has come back a, a second or a third time. That's yeah, a great I,
4: question. Yeah, well, I can I can one that I remember because um, this woman brought her idea through um, a couple of rounds, but it w- it was the same idea, so not quite the question that Bob was asking, mm-hmm. but at two different points in the development of the company, and it was for a, bi- a bilingual, teaching, uh, online bilingual teaching company, basically, is what her idea was. And she made it, I I don't know that she won, but she made it pretty far through the the competition and came back uh, maybe two years later and pitched another. She had developed things further. Um, You know, a lot of the feedback she got was Led it led to her being able to come back with a much more robust idea, and I think she was more successful the second time around. That's the only one that you know. Again, because I, I was on the panel that that reviewed that uh, both times, I remember her. But again, she didn't have it. It wasn't a different idea. It was an extension of the same idea.
1: I'm going to paraphrase another question that came in uh, through Nathan, and that is, um, are there ideas that come in that you think this is a really great idea? Um, but um, well, no. Let me let me paraphrase it another way. Is how much does location matter in terms of ideas now? So, our uh, I know we have you know we have a lot of we're a much more mobile community or m- mobile society than we w- once were. But how how important is location for these ideas?
2: Yeah, I think um, for for startups, location doesn't doesn't hardly matter at all. Um, and so, because we kind of live in this remote world now, where um, somebody in the Philippines or California can work for a company in Bloomington, um, and that's an actual example of a, a startup I was talking to this morning where they're distributed literally all over the world. Um, talent, talent's everywhere, so it doesn't have to be in Bloomington, but also for a lot of startups, your, your audience is national or global, so it's, it's unlike a popcorn shop, for instance, that is on Kirkwood that, that needs to have kind of drive-by traffic. Um, and so for startups, the the, the location matters, matters a lot less, but I think, um, I, I bet um, Katie has a different perspective on kind of how location might affect some retail shops.
3: Definitely. Um, you know, that old adage of location, location, location. It is true if you are selling a retail product or wanting to have um, a restaurant or something like that. I think, you know, in bloomington parking is really important too depending on where that location is and there are some very practical things to consider um, when starting a business that is going to have a storefront or a brick and mortar um, type of place Um, i think as a judge for the pitch competition i always go towards those practical matters first Um, and even with you know the students in seventh grade or something like that let's Let's think about these practical things that you need. um, Like, you know, where are you going to get your furniture for your store or something like that? Those very basic things and make sure that those are getting thought about as they're starting to, you know, build this new company um, as well. But for most of the people in the pitch competition, location doesn't matter one bit.
4: Let me, we don't we only have a couple minutes left but i do to that point and we've been talking about the you know the way in which all this ecosystem is is helping bloomington grow is is making it attractive to people who are going to come and live here and work here but with the, does the, the the does the company the pitch that's coming through the pitch competition um, the flywheel fund will fund them even if they're that they don't wind up establishing their business in bloomington or or is that a criteria i realize i don't know
2: that yeah yeah that's a great question so um so the short answer is no they don't have to be based in bloomington um initially crossroads started off as just a city wide pitch competition and then uh and then over time we expanded throughout the state we actually run it four times a year um, and we have Judges and startups from all four corners of the state. And so, a Flywall Fund, the, the Mills um, Startup Fund, we invest in early stage technology companies throughout Indiana. And so, regardless of where the, the startup is located, uh, um, if it wins the competition, then, then Flywall will fund it um about a third of the capital um um, even though we we invest throughout the state about a third of the capital that we we do invest ends up staying in bloomington companies so there definitely is a um um, uh, kind of a focus there because we, we have a lot of great startups of course um, but to answer your question uh, very directly and succinctly, uh, regardless of where the, the startup is located, as long as they're in Indiana then and they win the pitch competition, uh, then Flywheel will fund it. Yeah. All right. Thank you very much.
1: We've been talking with Katie Sensabaugh from the Greater Bloomington Chamber of Commerce and Pat East, Executive Director of the Mill and Managing Partner of the Flywheel Fund, about the uh, startup uh, ecosystem here in Bloomington and Monroe County. For Laurie McRobbie, our engineer, Mike Pashkash, and our producer, Nathan Moore, I'm Bob Salzberg. Thanks for listening to Noon Edition.
0: Production support for Noon Edition comes from Smithville. Fiber internet, streaming TV, home security, and automation in southern Indiana. More information at smithville.com and from bloomington health foundation providing financial support to the community for 55 years promoting healthier lives and the advancement of future health care in our region working together for a healthier tomorrow more at bloomhf.org and from estate and downsizing specialists llc offering complete turnkey service for estate and downsizing clients from initial consultation through home cleanout to final real estate and personal property sales. More at edsindiana.com.